0: Are you guys ready? I knew it. I knew it. (laughs) Now, I'm going to have to tell you something. This right here is my bestest little buddy. This is my bestest little buddy. And I was going to warn you that if you saw a little guy coming up, that I will take credit for it. I may have to do it with him on my hip today because he's just unsure about everything and I'm his little security blanket. But his name's Malachi. Say hi, Malachi. (laughs) But uh, he's my little buddy. And I was going to tell you, you know, one of my favorite toys... That's not right. I know. God loving. him. One of my favorite toys that I had when I was growing up was this chimpanzee. And it had a string that you would pull. And it was, you'd pull it and it'd go, well, I'll be a monkey's uncle. And then, oh, I am. <laughs> and that's what I was thinking about with him because he's like a little monkey crawling up on me. And uh, he wants to be right there. And uh, if he gets to crying too much, let him come on. I'll hold him while we do this, because this is about family. Before we get ready to study the Word of God, huh? Is he related to you? Yeah, he's my little nephew. My little nephew. <laughs> but he, uh, he yeah, he, he just, I'm his little security blanket, I think. And, uh, but before we get ready to study the Word of God, if you would, bow with me, and we'll go in to our Father in a word of prayer. Father, thank you so much for this beautiful day. It's already been wonderful. And we pray going forward, Father, that as we study your word about your son and about the gift that you gave us, pray that the Holy Spirit will be here among us today and that he will help open our eyes and our ears and our minds so that we can see what you wanted us to see out of your word. To hear that word, which is your power unto salvation And then it will be applied to our hearts and minds, Father, as we go about our life, and it will be there for us to help us in every possible situation. There's a few people who are struggling today, and we mentioned Willie, and there's also someone that a few of the people here work with them, and their husband passed away this week, Becky, and Her husband Don Pope. And so we also bring and lift up Becky and Don before you in prayer. And also Willie and his family. And Father as we now break your bread of life. We praise you for about what you're to do here with us. And what we're about to study in Jesus name. Amen. If you would. If you brought your sword with you today. The word of God. Open it up to Luke chapter 23. We're going to be for your part in Luke all morning. So you don't have to go out of the book of Luke, but we're going to go from Luke 23 down to Luke 16 for a minute, and then we'll come back to Luke 24. So we're all in the same book, just a different chapter. And as you're turning there, and the lifeline of the church for the future is walking through, praise God, we love them. You know, last week we talked about the road to the cross, when it happened, what happened, and when it occurred. This week, we're going to go to the cross, and then we're going to go to the Hadean world of the afterlife, and then we're going to go to the resurrection. So this is going to be good. We're going to see what God has in store for us, and amen, look at that line. Praise God. If you're there with me, Luke. 23, let's begin in verse 13. Pilate called together the chief priests and the rulers of the people and said to them, You have brought me this man who was, according to you, inciting a rebellion to the people. But I have examined him in your presence and have found no basis for your charges against him sent him to Herod and neither has Herod found anything with him because as you can see, he has sent him back to us and he has done nothing that is deserving of death. Therefore, I will punish him and I will release him to you. The whole crowd shouted, away with this man, but release Barabbas to us. Barabbas is someone who was a criminal, who had inside of right and he had also committed murder and he was in prison but Pilate wanting to release Jesus said no I want to release him but they kept shouting crucify him crucify him and for the third time he spoke to them and said why what crime has this man committed I have found him No grounds for the death penalty. Therefore, I want to punish him and then release him. But with loud shouts, they insistently demanded that he be crucified. And Pilate gave in to their shouts. And he released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, the one that they asked for. And he surrendered Jesus over to their will. And as the soldiers led him away and the cross became heavy, it says that they seized Simon the Cyrene as he was on his way in from the country and put the cross on him and had him to carry it behind Jesus. And a large number of people followed him, including the women who mourned and wailed for him. And as they did, Jesus turned around and he looked at them and said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. For the time will come when they will say, Blessed are those whose wounds never bore, and blessed are those who never gave nurse. And they will say unto these mountains, Fall upon us, and to the hills, Cover us. For if people do these type of things while the tree is green, what are they going to do when the season is dry? Two other men, both of them criminals were also led out with him to be executed. And when they came to the place of the skull, it says, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing, but they were dividing his clothes and casting lots for them. The people stood watching and the rulers even sneered at him and said, He saved others. Why don't you save yourself? If this is God's Messiah, the chosen one, you should be able to do that. The soldiers also came up and they were mocking him. And they offered him wine with vinegar and said, If you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. And there was written above him on the cross a placard there. And it gave notice that this was the king of the Jews. And one of the criminals that hung there beside of him started to hurl insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah, he said? If so, save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him and said, Don't you fear God, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly for what we have done, but this man has done nothing wrong. He doesn't need to be punished like us. Then he turned to Jesus and he said this, Jesus, remember me, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus looked at him and said, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. What will your last day on earth be like? Have you ever thought of that? Unless the Lord comes back while we are living, we are all going to go that way. There is a promise that He made to us. And that promise in the Word of God is in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27. And that verse says that it is appointed unto man once to die. And after that, the judgment appointed unto man that word there apacamahi it's not exactly what you think it means to be stored away it means to be stored away and reserved for something you know there's people that have taken great vintages of wine and have stored them away for hundreds of years they're worth thousands of dollars when i was a kid i saved baseball cards For a day that when they were going to be worth something. Yeah. Probably the best ones ended up on the spokes of the bike and tore up. Some people save gold and silver for a time of chaos and a rainy day. But it says that it is appointed that we are to be set aside. That's what the word means. For something. And that is the judgment. We are going to be set aside for that. For what naturally occurs. And here we have just read the last day in the life of three men. Jesus the one that was the Messiah. The son of God. And somebody on his right hand and on his left. And what you have there is someone who ended up believing in Jesus. For who he was. The son of God. And you had on the other hand. Someone who never believed but just continued to live their life and hurl insults his way. And you know that these people represent us and the choice that we make. Because we are going to make one of two choices. To either accept Jesus as the Christ or to reject him. This one, he chimes in while he's on the cross. If you look at verse 39 of your text. And it says that he hurled insults at Jesus and said, Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. Verse 40, though, switches to the volition, to the attitude of the person that was beside him. And that person rebuked him and said, He's done nothing wrong. We have. We are being punished justly for what we have done. But he did nothing wrong. And then he says, Don't you fear God? We're under the same sentence. Next, we have the believer's last recorded words that he said upon that cross. He said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Remember me. And Jesus responded to his belief that today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus the Christ hung upon the cross to pay the penalty for my sins. And to pay the penalty for every one of yours as well. That whosoever believes in him may not perish but have everlasting life. At Golgotha, the place of the skull, we have Christ as the center of the situation and two men representing us. Sinners that were condemned to die. I should be condemned to die. But the one who was just hung there for me so that I wouldn't have to. And they represent those two choices that we have today imagine that today you will be with me in paradise that word means the garden of god paradise does it means the garden of god today you will be with me there both men died that day and they went to what was promised in hebrews chapter 9 and 27 an appointed place reserved for holding And I want you to see that place today to where when the last breath was taken, what the two choices lead to. So if you would, stay in Luke and go to chapter 16 with me if you would. Turn to chapter 16 of the book of Luke and we will begin reading in verse 19. It says there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and he lived in luxury every single day. And at his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus. This man was covered with sores, ulcers. He was longing to eat just what would fall from the rich man's table. And even the dogs, it says, came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died. And the angels carried him to Abraham's side. And then the text says, That the rich man also died. And it says. In Hades. He was in torments. And he lifted up his eyes. And what did he see? He saw Abraham far away. And Lazarus standing at his side. In the bosom of Abraham. And he called to him. And he said. Father Abraham. Have mercy. Have compassion on me. Send Lazarus, if you would, so that he would just dip his finger in the water that a drop would be placed upon my tongue to cool it, for I am on fire and torment in this flame. And Abraham replied, Son, actually the word is child. Remember that in your lifetime you received your good things. And Lazarus received bad things, but now things have reversed. He is comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all of this, there is a great gulf fixed. I want you to underline that. There is a great gulf fixed. It's a chasm that has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot do it and those who want to go from where you are to where I am cannot do that as well he answered and said then father Abraham I beg of you then send Lazarus back to my family because I have five brothers there they need to hear this they need someone to raise from the dead And to go be there. So that they will not come to this place of torment. Abraham replied to him and said. They have Moses. And they have the prophets. Let them hear them. In other words the word of God is sufficient. To lead you to where you need to be. Abraham replied with that. And he said no. Father Abraham. But if someone would leave this place and go to them, then they will believe. You know what Abraham said? No. That wouldn't work. Even if they did, they would not listen to Moses and the prophet. They won't even be convinced, though someone would raise from the dead. There are two places for the appointed storing and reservation of the souls of man after death. One. For lack of a better term. Was called here torments. Those destined to hell with the devil and his angels. Are there. For their storage place. It is not hell itself yet. But it's a representative of it. And it's a storage place. Hell Jesus said is a place that he. He. Has reserved a lake of fire for the devil and the demons that followed him. And if you reject Jesus Christ in this life. That will be the storage place before judgment. And then that will be the place after judgment that you will reside with them. But there's another place, praise God. Called Abraham's bosom. The paradise of God. That Jesus talked about upon the cross when he said, Today you will be with me in paradise. Just as at the cross we saw the story of two thieves who had a choice to make, and one chose correctly and one chose in rejection, here again we see a life that was lived by two individuals that one accepted and one rejected jesus the christ and what the outcome was the one man it seemed like he was blessed in life wasn't it it says that he was dressed in fine linen purple colored clothes he had everything man he had a mansion with a big gate out front he had the newest mercedes chariot that was out there on the market. He fared sumptuously every day with the food that he wanted. He lacked for nothing. There was basically three things he lacked. As I thought of this though before I go on. He lacked Jesus Christ in his life. He lacked compassion. Because he had none on the beggar that stood outside of his gate that day or laid there. And he also didn't have a very good view from that mansion because it says that every day that Lazarus was laid there at his gate. So every day he saw that beggar. So even though he lived in a mansion, he still had a bad view of what was going on. No compassion, no mercy. He says, I have made it. You know when it says he fared sumptuously every day and lived this way, the word there is the word for euphoria that we get it is the cheeriness of mind it is the attitude of I have arrived baby I'm the whole ball of wax and then some and it's kind of like with a victorious feeling behind it that I have persevered that was the rich man but then on the other side you've got Lazarus the beggar And it says that he was laid at the gate. And let me tell you that's too gentle of a word. He wasn't laid at the gate. The original language says he was ballowed. Where we get the word for ball. He was thrown at the gate. He was dumped and discarded. Because he was a nobody. And he was dropped there. Discarded. No compassion. And this poor beggar. Could not move around on his own, it seemed. They had to carry him there. I don't know if he was so weak from no food or if he had a handicap. But whatever it was, they would carry him and drop him right there. Next, it says that he was full of sores. And the word means ulcers, exposed. I tried to look up a good picture to put up there for you. I didn't. (laughs) You're welcome. It turned my stomach. And I thought, no, we don't need that today. But he had ulcers all over his body. You know how they knew he had ulcers? All over his body? Because he's a pauper. The word for beggar is a word that means the lowest of the low. All the words that could be used for being poor or whatever. This was the last one. One who cowers in a corner with their head turned. And the clothes that he wore was not like that of the rich man. The clothes that he wore were rags that had holes all through them. So it exposed most of his body so that you could see that he had ulcers all over it. The word for what the rich man had is a specific word for Egyptian linen. Egyptian linen is still to this day the most expensive, soft, and sought-after clothing that there is. That's what this man wore. He had it colored. And I imagined that that soft, delicate cotton linen from Egypt would have felt really good on Lazarus' skin. But as he passed in and out of his gate every day, do you think that he would share some of that clothing with the man who was in rags? No, he didn't do that. And I'm sure that those rags were stiff and scratchy and hurt as he wore them covering... What little bit it did of the sores on his body. Quite the opposite of the rich man. This rich man would stare out his window. And he would see what was going on. And Lazarus was there trying to recover from being dumped. And you know what it says next in your text if you're there? It says that he desired. And that word is to covet. To lust and long after. And he desired Just to be fed with the crumbs from the rich man's table. I imagine that as he heard the noise and they prepared it and had the joyous feast and the smells came out there, it made his mouth water. And he desired for crumbs that would fall from the rich man's table. Have you ever been that hungry? That's pretty hungry. That what a rich man would eat and drop off, that that's what you're desiring of. As I studied this this week, found out from historians who write about that time period what actually could have been happening here. Because as they break bread and go to eat, there are crumbs and small pieces and fragments that fall off of that bread, and they supped just as deep Jesus did. That night in the upper room and they have olive oils and they have the juices that they would take and dip the bread in with the food and eat. And that would get on your fingers and get on your hands. And they would take those fragments of bread and use them like napkins because they didn't have napkins. And they would use those crumbs of bread and those fragments to wipe the oil off of their hand and then toss them under the table So that the dogs then in their open houses, the mongrels that roamed around would come and to feed upon those. Lazarus was so hungry that he was desiring and longing after a used napkins that would wipe the hands and be tossed on the ground. And do you think that he even got those? No, the dogs did. He didn't even, this rich man had no compassion and mercy at all. And he let the dogs have them before he would let the beggar at his gate have these things. The dogs are the only ones that seems to show any mercy in this first part of the lesson. They would munch on that stuff and then come out and share it with him by licking him sores with the tongues that had just lapped up the napkin bread from the floor in there. Oh, but death is a great equalizer, isn't it? If you're following along now in verse 22 of Luke 16, it says it came to pass. One of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. Anytime I see something bad, someone being persecuted, something bad going on in your life, you know what it says? This too shall pass. It came to pass hang with me folks God is saying because it is going to pass and you're going to be better for it it's one of my favorite sayings now look at it again it came to pass the beggar died and now look at the reception that he got he was carried away he was borne up by the angels into Abraham's bosom you remember how they used to treat him down here Bollow. dump toss not this time The angels bear him up and take him away. Then it says the rich man died also. Yeah, he did too. And I don't see him being carried away by angels. It says that the rich man died and was buried. I don't read of a burial there of Lazarus to you. You know why? Because what they did with beggars in this time was whenever they would find them and they had passed away, There was a place outside of the gates called Gehenna. There was a valley there, and it was the dump. It was where all of the trash went, and it was always on fire. And that's why Gehenna is a picture of hell, because it was a place where it was always on fire and smoldering and burning, and beggars got placed there. He had no proper burial like the rich man did, but you know what? Once you're out of the body, it doesn't know what's going on after that so he's carried away by the angels and then it says in verse 23 in hades the rich man he wasn't lifted up by angels he had to lift his own eyes up and it says it was he was in torment and i can't wait to share with you what that word means basanos it's a black silica stone wednesday night We had a question asked. Why am I, we talked about complaining and how we're not supposed to complain. And the question was asked, why, how am I not supposed to complain when things go on? I try not to, but all of this stuff, and I know it's God's will. I found the answer to that this week. Thursday night, the next day, when I sat down to study this, It jumped out at me when I looked at Bassanos Because what Bassanos is, it's a touchstone. That's what the word meant. It's a black stone that gold is tested on to see if it's real. It goes back to 3500 B.C. And you would take this black stone and you take a precious metal and you rub it and scrape it against it. And it leaves a mark. And you can tell by the mark that the precious metal leaves whether it's true or not. Whether it's really gold or not. And so throughout the centuries, the word came to mean a torturing, a testing of something to prove its worth. That's what we are going through in these things. It's a touchstone. You are either going to have your touchstone in this life of trials and troubles or you can have it in the next life because the torments that he is in is this same word for the touchstone it shows what you are made out of it's an examination by torture lazarus was tortured in this life that was his touchstone and he remained faithful and true to god Yet the rich man who didn't face all of that did not acknowledge his creator as his Lord. Look what James said in his epistle of chapter 1 and verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind. Consider it joy because the testing of your faith Produces perseverance. And it says, You know it. We are supposed to know this now. And so, since we were asked, God delivered. We know now why we go through it, because it is a testing that we do that produces faith. Look at verse 12 then. He goes on and says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood that test, you will receive a crown of life. That's why you're being tested. The Lord has promised that crown to those who persevere through the, and love Him through that testing. Look at what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6-9. through 9. In all of these things that you're suffering, greatly rejoice, though now uh, for a little while you have to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. They have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith... That's the touchstone. You're dragged across it to see if you are true gold or not. This testing of faith is of greater worth than all of the gold in the world. Which perishes even though it's refined by fire. So that it may result from us in praise, glory and honor when Christ Jesus is revealed to us. Though you have not seen him... You love Him. And even though you have not now seen Him, you believed and you're filled with an inexpressible glorious joy. It doesn't seem that way when you're going through it. But that's our touchstone that it produces the pure faith in God. And life is a test. Life is a touchstone for us to see the pure, genuine character of our lives before God. Lazarus passed his test. The ulcers, the hunger, the pain, the being dumped, the rejection by everybody. Praise God, he lives forever. He suffered that in his life, and it, what if it was for a hundred years? You ask him now, 2,000 years later, was that hundred years worth it? And after 2,000 years in the garden of God, I'm sure that he's going to say, yes, and I've only just begun. Eternity is still before me. The rich man, though, he didn't pass the same test. He relied on himself and the things that he could do instead of relying upon God as his creator. And what he saw next was unbelievable because when he looked up and he saw that beggar, who he thought was worthless, at the side of Abraham, he shouted out. He couldn't stand it. He called him Father Abraham, for Abraham is the father of our faith. And he started screaming, have compassion on me. How things have changed. What about the Lazarus that was lying at your gate that deserved compassion? And now you are wanting it? He screams and he begs for it. Have compassion and what? Send Lazarus. Send Lazarus down to me. I am suffering and I am consumed in this flame. I'm tortured. You know what? Hell doesn't change who you are. It just exposes it more. He was saying, Father Abraham, because I am of your lineage... And he didn't ask Abraham to come because Abraham, he felt, was above him. He's our father. But Lazarus is beneath me. Send him down here to touch that water to my tongue. It hadn't changed his perspective any at all. I beg of you. Lazarus had dreamed of crumbles of bread that had wiped the fingers of the rich man. Now the rich man desires a drop of water from the finger of Lazarus. Man, how things change. Abraham replied, child. And notice he didn't say, my child. Not now, because those are the children of Abraham through faith. If you look at it, this is the great revelation that Romans... Chapter 9 brings to this man. Verses 6 through 8 above you on the board says, It is not as though God's word has failed. For not all who are descended from Israel are of Israel. Not because they are his descendants are you Abraham's children. No, on the contrary. It is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. In other words, it is not the children just by physical descent that are the children of God but it is those that are of the promise of God that will be regarded as Abraham's offspring it's through faith it's that promise of faith in Christ that you are now an offspring of God and not just because of who you are in this life and now he's told back to our text in Luke 16 in verse 26 Between us and you, Abraham says, there is a great chasm, a great gulf that is fixed and you cannot pass back and forth between that. A great chasm is in place and it says that it resolutely stands as a guard and a barrier and you cannot go across that. Folks, there is no purgatory. There is no praying somebody into a better spot after they've gone there is no amount of money that you can give there is nothing that you can do because you have to make being in christ is a personal decision that you have to make in this life and no one else can make it for you or change that outcome afterwards it's something that you have to do yourself He says, then, Father, send him back to my family. I've got five brothers. Now we see some compassion come out of the man. I've got five brothers. I don't want them to come to this place. And he made a solemn statement to that rich man. And it's a warning for you and I as well as we stand here today, 2,000 years later. They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. The word of God is sufficient to bring you to where you need to be. And you don't, there's nothing else that's going to be able to change your mind. Paul wrote to the Romans and said in chapter 1 and verse 16. That I am not ashamed of the gospel of God and of Christ. Because it is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The word for power is dynamite. The word of God has all the power that it needs to explode the hardest of hearts. And open it up to him. God has chosen his word to be the vehicle by which we are saved and brought to Christ. But the rich man doesn't agree and he begs him again and he says, No, Father, but they won't listen to that. I didn't listen to your word. I didn't listen to Moses and the prophets and look where I'm at. And since I didn't listen, I know they're not. So send someone back to him and they will listen. But Abraham said again, Not so. Do you remember what had just happened uh, just a little bit before this event? Jesus had raised another Lazarus from his death and resuscitated him after being three days. the, The brother of Martha and Mary, you remember that? You know what happened after that? It says that the Pharisees sought even the more to kill Jesus. And not only him, but Lazarus as well. So they got rid of the example. So one coming back did not change anyone's hearts. It only made it worse. And he says that they have them to listen to. Now, turn with me if you would to our last place. Luke chapter 24 Luke chapter 24, and my Bible tells me that at this time, Sunday morning like today, a resurrection day of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, says the woman's that had prepared the spices and the perfume had went to go to that garden tomb to anoint the body of Jesus with it. And when they got closer, the stone has been rolled away, and when they looked in, there were some angels there in blazing white apparel. And they stood beside him and said, Why do you look for the living among the dead? Praise God. Why are you here? He's not here. He's risen. Don't you remember in Galilee how he told you that he was going to die and be resurrected after the third day? Don't you remember? And it says they started remembering and they ran back. There is no other name given among men under earth or on heaven other than Jesus Christ whereby men can be saved. And next if you're following along I want to go to verse 13 of chapter 24. The story of the road to Emmaus. Two men were walking on the road and they were discussing what had happened over this weekend and the crucifixion and the resurrection and as they were talking about it, Jesus himself shows up. And one of the men's name was Cleopas. And he come up to him and said, what are you guys talking about? And Cleopas looked at Jesus and he said, man, where have you been? Are you the only person that hasn't heard what's been going on? He said, how that this Jesus that we assumed was the Messiah, how that he died and was crucified, but now... Some of our women have said that he has rose again from the dead. And Jesus turned to him and said, Oh, but what about what he told you? Are you that slow of learning? He did not. Now listen to what he says. Jesus started explaining on that seven mile walk to Emmaus everything that Moses and the prophets said about him. What did he say to the rich man that they have? Moses and the prophets, you have the word of God. And he took that Old Testament word of God and proved everything that was about him. And when they got there to the town, the men constrained him and they said, come and sup with us, it's almost evening, come and be with us. And Jesus then, it says, went in with him. And let me try to begin to explain to you, he says that Jesus broke bread and handed it to him. And then in verse 31 if you're there. Chapter 24 it says. That their eyes were opened. To that point they didn't know. That they had been walking and talking with Jesus. And their eyes were open. And he left. And their hearts burned within them. Now I want to explain why their eyes were opened. At that time as our worship team. Makes their way on back up. To the, the, the stage here. I want to explain what was going on. You see. In those days, they're attired in their white robes that reaches way down. Covers the hands and the feet and the body so that you're protected from the sun and it cools you off. But whenever he came there, and you see, he broke tradition because the man of the house is supposed to be the one who breaks bread and does the giving. But Jesus broke tradition, and he is the one who did that. You want to know why I believe that their eyes were opened when he did that? Because if I take this as bread, and I break it, and I hand it to you, what do you see? The palms are forward as you hand it to him. And you see the nail marks of the spikes that went through his hands upon the cross. And when they saw the spikes on the cross, it says their eyes were opened. And they saw that it was Jesus. You remember Thomas? The one they said was the doubter. You remember what it was that he said in the room when they told him, We've seen Jesus. He said, No. Unless I what? Can put my finger into the nail marks and into the side where the spear was driven, I will not believe. says eight days later, Jesus appeared again. And this time Thomas was there. And you know what he said to him? He said, Thomas, behold my hands. Reach your finger in. Behold my side. Put your hand in. Think about that. Thomas had declared that to the people in private. Eight days before. Jesus heard what he had said. He hears every idle word that we might say. That's scary. Scares me. But he said unless I see it. You know what he done whenever he saw that? He... Got down and said my Lord and my God. Because those marks produced the faith in him to believe. That his God had resurrected from the dead. I don't know about you. Whether you have been a child of Christ. Or if you're not. But I would hope that somehow some way today. That you have seen Jesus. You have seen the nail marks of the risen Savior, and maybe that will prompt you today to become a child of God because it's only in this life that you have the choice and the decision to be of one of those two places that we talked about. One will be with Lazarus and the one thief on the cross. The other will be with the rich man and the other thief in torments. And Jesus himself described it as this. So that we would know how to reach him. If we want. Matthew 16 verses 15 and 16. Up there before you now says. Go into all the world and preach this gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not. Shall be condemned already. Jesus told Nicodemus this in John chapter 3 the father loves the son and have placed everything in what his hands the hands that bore the marks he said in his hands is everything and whoever believes on him shall have eternal life but whoever doesn't believe will be condemned already because they have not believed in the name of Of the only begotten son of God and his wrath when you reject him remains upon you. We have two illustrations. Each with two men with two choices to make. What will our choice be today? Let's pray. Father thank you for the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Thank you that you have set up him as our touchstone. As the one who is the one that tests to see whether we have faith or not. To whether we believe in him and what he did. And the nail prints. Or if we're going to reject that and rely upon our own self. We pray Father that every heart that is here today will search. Will take this message with them Father. And if anyone is here who needs to be baptized into Christ. Become a child of God. Please Father move their heart to. Come forward this day and let that be known so that we can make that happen for them and they will be a child of yours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.